Hi, Ian. Where are you at? Well, I'm seeing if it's really impossible for a ginger to get a tan by lying in the park. I mean, Varushleget Budapest. <laughs> How's that working out for you? Well, some of my freckles are merging. I can relate. I'm lying in Hyde Park, London. Oh, it's super relaxing in the park, isn't it? Have you been catcalled? No. Has anyone stared at your legs? No. Has anyone passed comment on your boobs? Uh, no. <laughs> Did you ever think that being in a park and doing nothing without harassment might be a male privilege? Uh, Kate, where's this conversation leading? Well, it's leading to me sending you a conversation I just had with Linda Gustafsson, the gender equality strategist, yes, gender equality strategist at the city of Umeå in Sweden. Great. Looking forward to listening to it. Welcome, Linda Gustafsson, on this uh, podcast about exploring social and environmental justice in cities. We have, throughout the series, spoken with loads of different stakeholders who are all trying to make cities more socially and environmentally just. Um, you know, stakeholders from the private sector, the public sector, citizens, communities, and kind of as, as a final podcast episode, we are digging into you know, what, what, the, what the public policy side of things look like. So what, what are stakeholders who are in charge of cities um, doing to make cities a better place to live for this generation and futures to come? So thank you so much for joining us on this podcast. Thank you very much, and thank you for inviting me. A real pleasure. Would love to, to, to kind of talk about your background, because obviously you work for the city of Omiya, and you are a gender strategist, which is not something you see every day. It's not like uh, working as an accountant or a lawyer. <laughs> this is something that's it's, it's a bit more niche. Would love to hear about kind of how you got into this work and, and what you do in your day-to-day -day as a gender strategist. Well, um Starting very early, I think that I, um, very early on when I was a child or youth, uh, started to notice that girls weren't being treated the same way as boys and that we weren't uh, held up in different ways to the same standard. And that irritated me very much. <laughs> so I, uh, but I just remember noticing that early on and I also I remember I grew up in a really small municipality in Sweden and I remember at maybe 14 or 15 I went to the library the public library to look at books on gender equality or inequalities and I remember in this quite small library there were I think two books under the category gender gender roles or something like that one of them was uh, Susan Faludi's Backlash, which was uh, a bit much for someone who was 14 years old. But I just remember trying to, trying to find some information, trying to read. But then my background, I, I studied gender studies at the university. Um, and uh, after that, I started working for the the uh, county administrative board in the county of Westerbottom with gender equality and that was 15 years ago. So I started working there and I worked there for a number of years and then I started working for the city of Umeå as a gender equality strategist. So I worked in Umeå for almost 10 years with that. The city of Umeå has a, a gender equality, a, a committee on gender equality which is politicians from the city council. So 
I work with the Gender Equality Committee on different actions and strategies uh, uh, connected to gender equality. I sort of serve as a as support and an expert in many issues, uh, many different topics and policy areas for the municipality. So it can be social services or it can be preschools, but my work has been quite focused on urban planning, infrastructure, mobility, now climate change um, and trying to integrate a gender equality perspective or integrate a perspective on uh, like gendered power structures into the work that the municipality does. Almost the best description of my job that I have ever gotten is a colleague of mine who I think she was a little bit frustrated with me in one of the processes uh, connected to urban planning and she said uh, you just love to make uh, question marks out of exclamation points <laughs> so I thought that was that was a great description of my job is that trying to make more question marks on, out of things that we take for granted or that we think are true my work is a lot about uh, question marks and asking maybe different questions or having a critical eye on the work that's being done but also of course trying to make like I think that gender equality working with gender equality working with understanding like power and privilege and working with that in different policy areas is a way to make everything much better mm -hmm, mm -hmm. super interesting i kind of like the making question marks out of exclamation points but but on that yeah. i think the common criticism of of maybe the government is that it's fairly slow moving um because it is again it tries to bring in multiple different stakeholders into into discussions and i bet you see this on a day-to-day -day, is that you know you really don't want to have a comprehensive discussion before you make a huge you know public policy decision because that affects so many lives but how do you balance that how do you balance you know, executing quickly versus creating these question marks out of exclamation points and making sure that you do things correctly? Well, it's a really good question. And I think, like, as you said, uh, democracy is supposed to be slow because you're supposed to really anchor things and have, as you said, multiple perspectives. And um, of course, it's uh, sometimes a, a frustra frustration that it's not going faster or that change isn't happening fast enough. At the same time, I think the like the strategy for the for the city of Umeå or the way that we work is trying to make sure that, for example, I am not the only sort of carrier of the work with gender equality. I'm not the only one with knowledge on gender equality. I don't have to be in the room to make sure that it really gets like the knowledge and the sort of ability to 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 make those like question marks and ask those questions. Uh, that that is a knowledge that more and more people have and that we sort of integrate that into the processes. Um, but then of course, I mean, of course there are initiatives or projects where we don't do that enough. And then we have some good examples where we, we've done that in a good way. But, but I think just making sure that we learn from the things that we do, that we integrate it into the policies, uh, that we sort of, yeah, that we build it into the system and that you also create this, which I think is so important when it comes to gender equality, that you, 
that you make it, you have to make it relevant for the specific project. Like you have to make it relevant for the thing that you're working with. You can't make gender equality this abstract theoretical thing that's on the side. You have to really, and you have to really work really hard if you want to integrate it into and create that understanding uh, that, okay, so if we work with gender, we have this problem that we're going to solve that is this, whatever it might be, um, making sure that kids graduate from school or we have to make sure that this is a public space that a lot of people use. Like, okay, so how can integrating an understanding of gender equality or an understanding of power, how can that be sort of the solution to that problem? so that you don't make it it's sort of its own thing. Uh, and I think that's really is that one of the things that I think Umeå is good at is at understanding how gender equality work can be part of sort of solving the problem that you have in front of you. I mean, that's tricky and that takes uh, effort to do that, I think. Yeah, it takes effort and it takes time. And yeah. again, yeah. democracy is slow by design almost. Yeah. So that you yeah. don't have these like you know rapid changes that you then regret or just rapid changes just because of kind of the cultural tendencies of that like given day yeah. or whatnot or given time yeah you know maybe it makes a lot of sense maybe to put things a little bit more because i totally agree i think something like gender i think is in many ways talked about as this kind of like meta theoretical topic i mean i, I took gender studies courses at university and, and i think it's still just very is put in an academic light but I think what you're trying to do, you know, as a gender strategist is really put that theory to practice to like look at cities and, and, and see how that theory applies to that given city and how you can make gender equality, you know, part of every decision in, in, in that city. So would love to just get a couple or maybe one or two use cases or, or one or two examples of initiatives that you've been working on within your work. Um. Well, when it comes to like public space and urban planning, I mean, we have examples where we have tried to really integrate an understanding of gender equality into like the planning and building process. Like we have a, a specific par a park where we worked with, we have a, a, like a tunnel where we worked like, like the really concrete structures of a city where we worked with. And then, I mean, what we do is, I think we always start with making sure that there's an understanding of who is going to use it. I think that's so much also about the gender equality work is about putting like people at the center, the actual sort of users of this space or this service that you put them in the front and that's what you sort of talk about. That's and then creating an, this understanding that okay, so we have these the inhabitants of Umeå and that's a, a diversified group, okay? So what are their feelings about the city? What are the, their possibilities to use the services or the spaces of the city? We, we work with the method that we call the gender landscape, which is really this trying to create the context and understanding of the different life conditions that we have in a city. And then you create the service and, or then you create the space. And then it's also done, for example, in this specific park we have well, we had dialogue with only young women and we didn't ask them about 
what would you like in a public space? We ask them that as well, but later on, but not not just saying, okay, so you are, you are a young woman, uh, what do you want to do in public space? But rather we ask them, what is it like to be a, a young woman in Umeå? How do you feel about the city? Um, and then, so asking more questions like that, and then after that, designing the actual space when what the, these young women, for example, told us in different also working, for example, which I think is also important when it comes to like gender equality or, or power structures that you change your methods and the way that you work, that you don't do like business as usual. So we had more like creative workshops, we had dance and theater and photography and things like that. and. Then what it ended up being was them saying that they wanted this, they wanted a space free from expectations. That's what they want from public space. That it, they want it free from expectations, expectations to do do something. They they or expect expectations of, of them as young women because, and I think everyone sort of knows this that being a seventeen or 18 year old like, young woman, there's a lot of expectations on what you're supposed to do, who, who you're supposed to be. And it was so clear in this process that what they asked for was a space where that was sort of taken away. And we can't create that through architecture, we can't create that through designing of the space, but we can create somewhere where it, where it feels like this is a space sort of designated towards doing nothing and that you're, you're allowed to do that. You're allowed to do nothing. You're allowed to just be there and sort of exist together with your friends and in this specific space, you can listen to music. Uh, there are speakers in the room. We learned a lot from that process, both in how we do citizen dialogue, that we can actually exclude uh, groups and just include specific groups and have dialogue and that that's okay. Um, but then also, like creating this also bigger like discussion internally that uh, okay so what we can do in the actual built environment is this but what they're saying is they want a life or like they want something free from expectation that means okay so that means working also with departments of education departments of leisure like what are our expectations on young women like yeah so to, sort of so try to like connect the, also the different work of the different departments in the municipality based on that sort of citizen dialogue. So that's one example. Also in this other sort of built environment example of the, the a tunnel that we have near the railway, which is also an example of the built environment, which is then we work more with just like feelings of safety and security and uh, instead of talking about public space as a space where women feel afraid, the public spaces in a city should not drain people out of their energy. It should give them energy and everyone in the city should get energy from moving around in a city. And we know that women as groups get more drained when they when mm -hmm. they are in public space because they was always often, not everyone of course, but they are often much more aware and they have strategies for how to move around and when to move around, meaning that their energy yeah, their energy is drained from them. And I think that especially when it comes to public space and especially when it comes to spaces in the inner city like spaces where you can't choose not to be like mm -hmm. you you have to stand here if you're waiting for the bus 
or you have to stand here or you have to be here if you're parking your car or if you're you know parking your bicycle then you have to be in this specific space so that those spaces are also like really really important to work with the best sort of result that we have from this uh, tunnel is that we actually see yeah, you know, like you see people walking like slowly mm-hmm. through it mm-hmm. and people walk like slowly through a space like that and you feel like okay so this this was this was good. Mm-hmm. Super interesting because I, I, I think the gender strategist isn't a department in itself, right? So, I mean, but like there's so many departments who are working on their little things and then you just like run around the different departments and add these question marks that need to be answered that internally people just wouldn't do because they're so siloed, right? Like, I think it's hard to think yeah. as a department of education when there's an urban initiative going on, mm-hmm. I think it's hard to think about how that will impact or how you can contribute to that. But that's kind of yeah, your job yeah. is bringing all these different different yeah. departments together. Yeah. Absolutely, and looking at the city from a more much more holistic perspective, and understanding that everything is interconnected, and that, mm. of course, for the Department of Education, having spaces in the city where young women feel like, okay, here I can sit, and and no one's gonna tell me to leave, and I can do, I can just hang out. Of course, that's good for the Department of Education, because that means that their stress levels are gonna go down, and that's good for the Department of Education. Mm-hmm. So I think that's really, really important. And also understanding, like, when we talk about this gender, the gendered landscape, it's also so much about this connection between different parts of the city and the life conditions of people in the city like understanding that and exactly like you say that you have to work with it from a holistic point of view because how young people for example choose choices when it comes to education that's going to affect the segregated labor market mm-hmm. uh, and that's going to the segregated labor market it's going to affect how much money people make and that's going to affect like how um, self-sufficient women and men are going to be in our city and that's also going to affect like we know that when it comes to female dominated workplaces for example it's much more easy to take public transportation so that's going to affect also like the outlay of the city and when we talk about the gender landscape we also highlight for example the importance of public daycare for women's participation in the labor market and that's something that happened like 50 years ago in Sweden that started to introduce public daycare but it's such an important reform and i think that's also important when it comes to gender equality because it's so important it's so easy to be like here and now and this specific issue that's being discussed right now in the newspaper but then really trying to okay when we talk about policy and we talk about this understanding that we connect it to uh, other like issues mm-hmm. and that we connect it also to like our context and our history of what has been really important gender equality reforms. Mm-hmm. See, I, th- I think this is super interesting. I think the maybe the, the rebuttal to or not necessarily rebuttal, but I totally get what you're trying to do with the, you know, bring like bringing multiple different ideas together because it's just like a net of kind of like social and an economic and political happiness in a city like I, I totally get that but I think the more I guess variables you add to a given project that you're trying to do the, the harder it is to measure success because there's just like so many different variables at play so how do you do that as a city government official how do you measure success in your day-to-day job that's not it's <laughs> not an easy question on how we measure success 
one of the like very like operational things that we do when we have different projects is that because Umeå is a big university city and there are a lot of student papers and things like that being written. So one of the very like concrete things that we do is that we often have students that sort of observe, for example, public spaces that we've worked with and look at, okay, so this was being built, for example, to target maybe young women or their uh, like access to public space. So, okay, so who is actually using the space? So that's one thing. And then like, and then, so we sort of work together with them on different student papers. So that's one thing that we do. But then Sweden is a country and Umeå is a city where we do quite a lot of surveys, for example. So, I mean, we have surveys also, maybe not specifically on gender equality, but surveys that we also, where we also see like the life conditions of women and men in the city and look at like uh, both when it comes to like health and things like that, but when it comes to uh, being economically self-sufficient, for example, things that we can see in there. And of course, like we look at things like violence to women is something that we continuously measure. It's, it's also very much about looking back and looking back at our policy and looking back at, okay, so we had this ambition to really into, to really work with gender equality in this specific project or in this specific initiative or investment. Okay. So what did it end up being? Have we actually changed any processes? Have we integrated it? And what was that? In, in, and what was the result of that? And I think when it comes to, urban planning then of course the timeline is so long mm. it's something that we prepare for today is something that is going to be built within maybe in next five ten years so it's not so easy to see like the specific effects but then when we have other departments that i also work with for example social services or department of education or leisure then you can more easily see like okay so here here we did this work and now there's a change in the process or we did this and now there's a change in how we are like uh, and like one like concrete example of that could be maybe like one of the departments took away like the, the possibility to identify who the applicant was. Departments have done things like that. So then it's like then of course the results are a little bit easier to see that mm -hmm. you can see the more concrete effects. I think, yeah, you're right. I mean, that is an issue with kind of urban policy in general. The time horizon is so long. And even if in the first year you don't really necessarily, like you're not able to see the success metric that you kind of were looking for, yeah. you know, you can't stop the project then because it might be, it might just take time for something to kind of show some sort of, you know, yeah. of success, yeah, things like that. Yeah, yeah, because then it's also about, I mean, we have the, the, the strategy and what we work with trying to, like that it's really integrated and when something's really integrated it might be, sometimes be difficult to find mm. so it's not always that the city of Umeå has okay we have this uh, analysis or we have this uh, a detailed plan or something and then we have this specific title where it says gender equality and then you have two pages on gender equality it's more that it's integrated into the process and integrated into, which also sometimes yeah makes it a little bit more difficult to find. So, mm -hmm. but I think for Umeå it shows uh, that we've taken steps also from it being this specific issue to it being integrated, but that also has its challenges. Mm -hmm. uh, and then as you say, then it's about making sure that it's really, really not 
that it's part of the execution of the project, that it doesn't get lost somewhere along the line. So then trying to really make sure that it, yeah. it actually is fulfilled sort of at the end. But then like one example in Umeå, like they chose, I think, the, the like the city of Umeå and, and the, the commitment, uh, gender equality, like we have about a year and a half ago, maybe now, um, the Department of, of Culture, um, they um, there was a, a like a public procurement on a new uh, piece of art in Umeå, uh, and it was going to be at the like very much in the city center of Umeå at like the town square, and um, the commission was that it was going to be sort of a statement on the Me Too movement, mm. and that was what they asked from the number of artists that get, get to do the sketches and then one was chosen and so in the like town square of Umeå smack in the middle uh, is this uh, cat animal which is four and a half meters up in the air and it's like blood red purple uh, with golden teeth and it's roaring and it's sort of sitting really high up and it's called listen and uh, well, it's explained as like a statement on the Me Too movement and just mm -hmm. this. And I think that I just, I mean, I love it, but it's art, so it's subjective. You can think what you want about the actual piece of art, but, but I love it. Okay. And as uh, if this could be a whole separate podcast episode just about the, the yeah. impact of art in, in kind of urban, urban justice. Yeah, which, uh, which, yeah absolutely. Uh, but just, I don't, or that's not something that would happen in any city. And it was also like when it was decided because then it was the committee on culture that sort of decided on the final, uh, mm -hmm. like what was to, to be the final, like the actual art piece of art. And it was like a unified cultural committee that also said, yes, this yeah. is, yeah, this I mean, is. I mean, I think, I think that's that. So, and yeah, I don't think that would happen just anywhere that you would decide to put um, like a statement like that in the, in the town square. You know, that people are receptive to kind of that statue in the middle of the square obviously is a testament to all the work that you've been doing. And it does make the city of Umeå very distinctive from others. And so kind of as a wrap up question, maybe a two part question, why do you think the city of Umeå has been so receptive to this? And, and, and why do you think it started these initiatives? Why is it kind of this, you know, this, this role model in many ways about how to do gender in a city and how to think about it critically with every single decision that you make as a city government. And then kind of a second question is how do you role model that? How do you bring that to other cities in a way that is a guiding light, but also not an overbearing light? Well, Imyo has a long history of uh, gender equality work. I mean, I think in the beginning of the 1970s, we had the, in Imyo, we had one of the first women that was elected as the chair of the building committee. Um, and I think that the story is actually that she was offered like one of the like social services committees, but she said, no, I want to be chair of the building committee and just this. And she also had drive when it came to gender equality and started, I think, even then raising those issues, uh, which I think is, well, if within, I mean, many things have happened since then, but just this highlighting the issue on gender equality connected to the like planning and building, I think was really important. 
Um, and then we've had a lot of politicians in UMU that have really been champions for gender equality and made sure that there are goals for the city council, that there are strategies in place. Um, and then in 19, I think maybe 1989 or something, UMU became one of, I think, three or five like pilot municipalities working with gender equality in Sweden. And then the Gender Equality Committee started in 1994. And someone like me working strategically with gender equality has been in place since 1989 in UMU. So like the infrastructure of the work. And I, I always say this when I'm being asked, like, yeah, like, what has sort of made Umeå City that works so actively with gender equality. And I think one of the answers is this infrastructure and that it's a continuous work, that it's not based on projects, that it's actually something. And if you do something continuously, you're going to get results. And it, But it also allows for maybe years or a year where not so much happens because other things happen and we don't take those like huge leaps forward but that's okay because the work goes on and then some years a lot of things happened and so because since it is such a long term it's not a quick fix that that's really important um but then also like umio has had a really active like women's movement and active feminist movement that has put those issues on the agenda i think is really really important and then also where we're university city so like we have the for example the umio center for gender studies and we've had a lot of collaboration with the university and just I think that's also really important. Um, so I think it's a, sort of a, a mix of those things that have created sort of the space for the work to be able to take place. But then on, and then on being sort of a role model without being overbearing, I think also well, now, for example, we're leading an international project within the Urbac program on gender equality with six other cities. And that's one of the ways that we share experiences, but also get experience shared with us. And I think that because one of the things that we really highlight in that project and in the work that we do is this holistic perspective on gender equality and also having like this contextualized work that you really to 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 think that to work actively with gender equality within for example a public organization like a municipality you need to understand the context of the city or the organization that you're in to make sure so to look at like okay so what are the gender equality issues that are important for us like what is gonna sort of push us forward when it comes to gender equality and that's probably going to be different in every city what like what issues are the most pressing or most important or which also that what is what what is possible for us what can we do uh, so and I, I i mean we learn so much from from like all of our european colleagues and municipalities in sweden and others so i think it's uh, we have it's uh, I, do, I mean, we're, we're also very critical of our own work. Uh, and I think that's also one of the success factors that we don't really think we're doing all that much uh, to look critically at the own work that we do. And we often feel like, oh no, we've gotten nowhere. And uh, really, um, yeah, I think, and also like, which also goes back to con like the context, like, 
yes, Sweden has a lot of legislation in place and a lot of support for the gender equality work, uh, but also like in Sweden and also that applies to UMU, like I think one of our biggest challenges is that people think that we're done with gender equality. Like, isn't it gender equal now? And we have multiple, multiple issues that we need to work with. And that's a challenge for us to really get past that and ha continuously highlight that we still have issues that we need to work with. We don't have a gender equal city. Um, and in other and in other countries in other cities they've they've come much further in in other in areas when it comes to gender equality where umio or sweden is far behind so i mean i think there's so much to like learn and exchange with others yeah there's so, there's so much to be done and, and, and i totally agree i mean i think gender work is not done even though maybe it seems as though oh everyone's equal now you know women get opportunities to not just stay at home that they can now work you know I mean I think that's like that's the bare minimum yeah. but there's so much yeah. more and then there's so much intersectional gender work that you can do right I mean there's so many different ways to approach that problem yes. and yes. yeah it's not just like you know is the life of a white woman better than it was 30 years ago yes no if it is let's stop the gender work right I mean the, yeah. the work goes on exactly. Um, and yes. it's super inspiring to see what the city of Umeå is doing, you know, even if it is, you know, ahead in many ways of other cities in the world, still keeping that front and center and still working on that and knowing that the work isn't done is incredibly inspiring. When you open up for having a discussion, like putting those issues on the table saying, okay, there's an unequal division of power. This mm -hmm. is like what we're going to talk about, independent of what department it is or what policy it is. When you open up for that discussion, you're gonna open up for a big discussion on unequal distribution of power. And once you start talking about things like that, then something happens. And I think just this, exactly what you say, like that leads to the like other discussions when it comes to power and division of power and privilege. So yeah, working with gender equality can be sort of a, like a door opener for also other discussions. And I think that's also really important for public, for organizations that you keep those doors open so that you don't close and say, okay, but now we're just going to talk about gender equality and we're not going to talk about something else, but that you really keep them open and try, but that's difficult, but they really try hard to integrate other understandings and that you think critically also about gender mainstreaming and what that implies and yeah, so. Mm -hmm. And what, and what problems that mean exactly that creates for cities it's almost which again does keep keeps the work going on um yeah. linda thank you so much for your time seriously it was super super interesting to hear about kind of what the city of umio does and what you do um and really enjoy just like your practical view on things um, because again this is this is a very can be very theoretical but to see kind of what applied gender strategy looks like in a city to make the lives you know better for for for, for everyone is is super 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 valuable and thank you thank you so much for this for this podcast thank you thank you so much so ian let's flip the script you listened to my conversation with linda gustafsson um what did you think well i listened to that conversation while having a nice sunbathe in the park and it made me it made me think a lot about well, first of all, I thought it was a really, really interesting conversation and I really liked the questions that you put to her and there were so many interesting things um, to get out of it, but let's just focus on one and I think that was when you asked her about 
how does she measure the success of initiatives that, that, that she's been involved with? Because this is a tricky question, right? Because there are some things where you can obviously measure stuff, you know, um, you can measure whether a river or a lake is more or less polluted, you know, you can measure the number of cars coming in of a city into or out of a city and how many people are using public transport and stuff like this. But how do you measure something which is essentially a feeling, you know, how do you measure um, the effect of the affective dimension of being in a public space so you know does a woman feel more or less safe somewhere you know you can't ask that on a scale of one to ten do you feel more or less safe i mean it's sort of a nonsense thing but at the same time because this is something which is paid for by taxpayers people want to maybe i guess that's where your question came from people want to find out you know oh have has my money been spent on something which is worthwhile so i thought that was really interesting and i think it's probably good because I liked the way that she was a little bit flummoxed by the question because it probably meant that she's not used to being asked this question because it's sort of assumed, and I guess we also assume, right, that it's a good thing that uh, cities are cities are safer for women. But then, how do we how do we then even think about that? Or other women feel more comfortable doing nothing in public space? So I wonder whether we can develop more radical alternative measures that aren't something quantifiable. Um, but yet at the same time still meaningful and understandable by people um, who aren't necessarily 100% convinced by the need uh, for having someone working on gender at their local town or city hall, but, you know, are open to being convinced. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, and I, I was also thinking, just to jump off that, maybe this works for gender more so than other other spaces or other other areas that you're trying to work on making more egalitarian or equitable in, in a city like race for example like I feel like gender has come to a point where it's very difficult to say I don't believe in gender equality I don't think we should invest in gender equality the public has said yes we agree with this and maybe there's less pushback from citizens about wanting to you know have some sort of metric or tracking um, to make sure that their money is being spent well maybe there's less pushback on it because it's just universally agreed, you know, at least in Sweden, that this is something that they do prioritize. You know, maybe for, for more contentious issues or issues where there's more, you know, disagreement, for example, like race or even socioeconomics, you know, socioeconomic issues, maybe those would be more difficult to get over the line if you don't have kind of a proper metric evaluation mechanism in place. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I guess it's a challenge for anyone doing any sort of progressive issues moving forward to try and explain, you know, an, an explanation is something which is very hard to do, but it's something that we try to do uh, on this podcast to try and discuss maybe more complex issues in a, in a way which is hope, hopefully more accessible and open. But of course, you may disagree with us. And if you do disagree with us or you do want to agree with us, then you can get in touch by going to our website, uh, which is uh, urban dash arena.eu or you can find us um, on all of the social medias by going to our show notes and yeah finding all the links there bye bye <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>This podcast is part of the three-year project Urbana, Urban Arenas for Sustainable and Just Cities. It was funded by the European Union's Horizon 2020 Research and Innovation Programme.